Well, it has been a wonderful week, hasn't it, with uh, with the weather? But winter has arrived, and the snow will be here next week. No, I don't know that actually. But um, y- you know, you never know what might happen. Um, let me give you a very, very quick reminder of where we've been over this last couple of weeks as we've been thinking about communities. I've highlighted this problem of thinking primarily about services and uh, all of the ideas that come with that and the duty that comes with that and this thought about church being more than an hour on a Sunday, but a community of people that are following Christ Jesus. We're communities of Christ, very clearly and unashamedly following Jesus who says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then last week we looked at being communities of faith, that wonderful story of the healing at the gate called Beautiful. And uh, we've outlined uh, these five communities that we have here and the thought, the hope that there could be more. And this morning, I want to talk to you about uh, Victoria Sponges and the Wright Brothers. What's the connection? If the problem was that you didn't know how to cook a Victoria Sponge, you would head off to uh, the fountain of all knowledge, Google, uh, and you'd put in, how do you make a Victoria sponge? And uh, up would come uh, the Good Food Guide and the BBC Recipes website and probably one from Delia or someone else. And you'd, you'd pick one that you'd like. And if you got the right ingredients, you'd go off and make a Victoria sponge. And you'd have worked very hard and you'd have learned something along the way. If the problem was not, how do you make a Victoria sponge cake? If the problem was, how do I celebrate my son, daughter, wife's birthday? You might do a whole range of other things. And you wouldn't just be restricted to the Victoria sponge cake. I... The thing that the Wright brothers were able to do actually was not about learning how to fly. The thing that the Wright brothers did better than everybody else is they learned how to crash really, really well. And they learned how to make their uh, prototypes more repairable so that they could learn more quickly than the others who were trying to achieve the same thing. They were not trying to fly, they were trying to learn how to crash well, so that they might actually be able to stay off the ground longer than anybody else. So as we come to today and thinking about communities on mission, I want you to hold the cake and the aeroplane from the Wright brothers in the back of your head. Because you see, the Church of England, in fact, the church in the West, has a services problem. We live in a culture that has shifted. 
It's shifted from uh, an understanding of, of a place where everybody was included. Everybody had some kind of faith, didn't they? To a place where actually everything else is an option on a Sunday. And church is way down the priority list. You might come and find the local church, the local Anglican church, if your grandma has told your mum that your child should be baptised. But you might not actually believe anything. The place that we are now is very different from 20 years ago. And it's radically different from 100 or 150 years ago. But the Church of England, as with many other denominations, has so much packaging, has so many things that get in the way of us learning. The institutional structures are so vast that we keep on propagating a system where church equals a building, a priest, and a salary or a stipend. And the way that we're doing it is relatively new in terms of our understanding as corporate church, institutional church. It's relatively new that communion should be celebrated every single week. In fact, if you go back just a hundred years, communion every week was a rarity. We have this amazing church building. And we want to make it even better. The last thing that I think that we should be doing is locking the doors on this building, going away and just meeting in our homes as the church in Acts. The reason? Well, we have to start from where we are now. And if we just leave this building locked up on the hill, that is not a great advert. So we have to start from where we are. But we are not here to be curators of a historic museum of worship. We are here as a community of Jesus Christ, following the way of Jesus, a living, breathing community of people. And this just happens to be the home that we meet in. There's an awful lot of change going on in the national church at the moment in the Church of England. Uh, the renewal and reform program is rethinking structures and, and kind of trying to be a bit more like the Wright brothers and learn a bit quicker and uh, trying to get the funding into the right places to do the right things and to literally grow new followers of Jesus. There is an awful lot that is very, very good. New churches are being planted. People are coming to faith. But if the problem that the national church tries to solve is the same old one that it's always tries to solve, if it is about 
how we can be a church for everyone, providing services everywhere, and never, ever, ever closing a church, then I think we're trying to address the wrong problem. You see, I think the problem is how we can make disciples of Jesus Christ. That's the commission. Let me um, try and illustrate for you in numbers what I think the scale of the problem within the C of E is at the moment. And I speak as one, well, all of us who are in it and trying to make the best of it. And I'm trying to go back uh, as far as 1920, but amazingly, uh, the numbers are incredibly difficult to come by. I've managed to get concrete numbers so far, only going back as far as 1981. And the rest of the numbers are locked in Lambeth Palace somewhere, and uh, we're trying to extract them. Here's the first number. In 1981... There was a population in England of about 46 million people, almost 46 million people. There were 10,563 full-time paid clergy. It was before uh, kind of uh, retired clergy and NSMs and non-paid clergy had really kicked in in any big way. 10,563 clergy. That gives you a ratio in 1981 of one clergy person to 4,353 people in the population. In 2018, the population of England is about, was about 53 million people, just over. There were 7,230 clergy. Uh, that's the wrong number. Ignore that last number. The ratio was 7,230 to 1. The task, even if you go back as far as 1981, is a little bit different. The projected numbers are that by 2031, the ratio will be one member of full-time paid clergy to 8,541 people. If you think that the job of being a clergyman is the same as it was 20 years ago, 50 years ago, or 100 years ago is the same, it's a very, very different world. No longer can I just wander around opening village fates and bumbling around uh, being the lovely village vicar of Weston. There's simply too many people. We have to do it differently. So let's look at this wonderful passage in Acts, the believer's prayer, and uh, just see if there are some things in here that we might learn that might encourage us, because I do want us to be encouraged. I believe that there is hope and that God is on the move. The first thing is, is that uh, they go back to their own people, verse 23. The ones that they are choosing to be identified. This wonderful community of faith. And they make a report about what has just happened. 
And together they then raise their voices in prayer. They call out the character of God. This is a wonderful model for how we are to pray in faith and expectation. To call out the character of God. An acknowledgement in verse 25 and 26 of what is happening in the now in relation to what had been foretold in Scripture. They recounted the fact, the story of what had happened to Jesus in verse 27 and verse 28. And then the most wonderful bit in verse 29. They ask the Lord to consider the problem. Consider their threats. They ask, they get the problem and they say, Lord, this is, this is not our problem. This is your problem. Consider their threats. And then they ask the Lord to come and move, to come and stretch out his hand. And they pray all of this, not in any old name, but in the name of Jesus Christ. And then what happens? The Holy Spirit comes and shakes the room. And all of them, not just a few, all of them are filled with the Holy Spirit. And they all speak the word of God boldly. Come and move, Lord. You know, we can get so anxious about the problems in our country. And I'm not suggesting we, we just pray and hand things over and do nothing. We also need to be people of action. But let's not carry in our hearts and minds the things that we've not been asked to carry. It's good to bring things before the Lord. So let me begin to land with this. I think that our focus needs to be a discipleship focus. I took this picture just uh, two Sundays ago, I think it was, when Pam was leading worship. And there's this little boy toddling around, just gazing up at her. You know what's not in the first few chapters of Acts? What's not in the first few chapters of Acts is the mention of priests who wear dog collars, of vestments, of common worship, of silver chalices. But you know what is? The spontaneous growth of the church. A clear gospel message with discipleship at its core that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. We're called to love God, to love one another as you love, as we love ourselves, but also we're commissioned, the great co-mission to go and make disciples and teach them to obey everything. Justin Welby puts it like this. First, the church exists to worship God in Jesus Christ. Second, the church exists to make new disciples of Jesus Christ. Everything else is just decoration. Some of it may be very necessary, useful, or wonderful decoration. But it is decoration. So I'm encouraging us. Hoping 
and praying that in 20 or 30 years when the next generations look back on what we did, that what they will say is not that we just put on services, but that we were a community of Jesus Christ who reached out beyond ourselves and made disciples. And that everyone was involved. That we were communities on mission. In 1 Peter, it says this, You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. There should be priests in the church. And it's every single one of us.